What's up and welcome back. It is episode number 35 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we are not even going to mess around with talking a lot before the rundown today. We got a stacked episode for you today. I just, I can't believe we've done 35 of these. <laughs> That's uh, we, we had that realization before we started recording one of the interviews for this week's show. We're up to 35 episodes now, 35 weeks of the show. Matt jumped in on week five, so this is episode number 30 for you. I mean, the, the, amount, of, the amount of people that we've been able to talk to and the amount of stories that we've heard in 35 episodes of the show it's just incredible I mean the stories keep on coming the locations the different locations keep coming and uh, we're not going to stop that's right so we're continuing to grow our our video presence we're growing our social media presence now so the podcast has never been better than it is right now so if you're just jumping in we're glad to have you and get ready for the ride we're going to get you up to date with everything that happened in the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics so we'll start with the women's golf team. They placed seventh out of 14 teams at the Yale Intercollegiate this weekend. Quinnipiac freshman Kylie Sakota continued her tremendous debut season with a ninth place finish. So congratulations to her on the individual accomplishments. The golf team has a match against Fairfield this coming Wednesday beginning at 9 a.m. We go to women's tennis now. They are on a roll, a 6 to nothing win versus St. Francis Saturday and a 6 to one win versus Sacred Heart. The Intercollegiate Tennis Association Regionals at Army they are this Thursday, October 17th through Sunday, October 20th. So a big day last Saturday for that women's tennis team. They were part of that big day, the big 11-game slate that was going on on Saturday, and they were able to sweep both of those matches. Going to the men's side, they picked up a 4-3 victory of their own against Holy Cross on Saturday, so congratulations to them. They are also participating in the Intercollegiate Tennis Association Regionals. They are heading to UPenn Thursday through Sunday. The cross-country teams were at the Paul Short Invitational hosted by Lehigh. The women came in 33rd out of 41 places, and the men's came in 24th out of 45 places. The women's team is next at the New England Championships Saturday in Boston. Heading to the field hockey team now, they dropped a 5-1 to game against Liberty on Friday at home. They traveled up to Boston College on Sunday to do battle with the number 17 ranked team in the nation and lost that one 4 to nothing. So the field hockey team is home against Villanova this Friday. You can watch that one on the Big East Digital Network, and then they are away at Maine on Sunday at noon. Volleyball now, Dan, you got to keep up with me because there were some games, there were some wins, there were some losses, and I got to get you up to date. Okay. So the volleyball team has started conference play. They had a 3-1 to one win versus Iona Saturday, a 3-2 to two loss versus Manhattan Sunday, and then a 3-1 to one win versus Marist on Wednesday. It's a busy week. Absolutely. But coming up on Saturday, they are away at Ryder at 1 p.m., and then they are away at St. Peter's on Sunday at 1 p.m. The rugby squad had a 64-7 loss at Harvard last Saturday. They continue action at Dartmouth this Saturday at 11 a.m. Women's soccer. They are in conference play as well. It was a 1-0 loss versus Monmouth on Saturday, and then a 3-0 win at Fairfield on Wednesday. They are home against Niagara Saturday at noon, and they are away at St. Peter's on Wednesday at 3 p.m. That home game is their senior day, so come out and support. From the women's to the men's side for soccer, they had a 1-0 loss at Manhattan last Saturday, but they followed that up with a big 5-3 victory against Marist on Wednesday. Men's soccer continues their schedule away at Niagara Saturday, night game at 7 p.m. Women's ice hockey now. They had a 2-1 win at Providence on Friday and a 3-2 loss versus Providence on Saturday. Freshman forward Alexa Hoskin was named the ECAC Hockey Rookie of the Week for play from September 30th to October 6th. The freshman tallied two points through two games against Providence. She scored her first career goal and her first goal for Quinnipiac this season in a 2-1 win over Providence on October 4th. Then on Saturday, October 5th, Hoskin recorded an assist on junior Taylor House's goal in a competitive 3-2 loss against the Friars. The weekend coming up is at Maine, 2 o'clock on Friday and 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. And the final team on our rundown and the team we're talking about in today's episode is the men's ice hockey team. They had a 4-4 tie against Brock out of the OUA last Sunday. They have their first series of the season coming up this weekend. They are home at 7 p.m. on Friday and then away up at the Mass Mutual Center at 7 p.m. on Saturday. And Matt, we talked to two members of this men's hockey team for their kind of season preview episode here on the podcast. The first one that we talked to, we're going to give you a little snippet of our interview 
We talked to the captain of this team, Nick Germain. And Nick Germain, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to yell and scream all over the place. He's a lead-by-example guy, and he's got big shoes to fill this year. He does. He picks his spots to become a vocal leader, but he is always a leader on the ice. He's leading by example, whether that's in practice, in games, during timeouts, during games. Like, he picks his spots to be a leader, and he is a prime example of the Quinnipiac culture captain. So without any further ado, let's hear what Nick Germain had to say about the upcoming 2019-20 season. You were named captain for the 2019-20 season. I mean, you know, before we get into anything else with that, you know, what did that mean to you when you found out, holy crap, I am going to be the captain in this program? Uh, it was definitely, you know, a huge honor and, you know, I'm privileged to be in this position. Um, you know, it's just such like a big thing, like to be able to kind of bring this program to the next level. And it's not just me that's able to do it. I got Alex, Carlos, Tufto, and then we even have other guys that may not have letters that are, have been awesome this summer in leadership. So and that's like the biggest thing, like you need your, your captains, your assistant captains to be great leaders, but even more importantly, you need the, that second tier has to be very dialed in and, as well and uh, kind of help when you have 10 freshmen coming in. Like, you got to turn these guys into, like, you know, our culture and stuff like that. And you, so you can't just have one or two guys. And I'm, I'm very lucky that, you know, I have a huge uh, leadership group with me that's capable and we're all on the same page, you know, pulling in the same direction. So, so you told us before you got here at the beginning of June, I believe you said, to, for the beginning of summer mm-hmm. one. So, I mean, that's now, that's now two months that you've been here. How's the, how's the first two months as Captain Ben doing the off-ice type of training thing? It's been great. I mean, you know, from years past, like it's just passed down. Our culture, like I've mentioned a bunch today, is just so great where everyone pushes each other. Everyone wants to be here. Like it was June 1st, I think, uh, when I got back and there's – 18 guys that were here in the gym training like super hard you know like you're if you ever come to see or if it's ever on video of one of our gym sessions like it's loud guys are competing guys are chirping each other like and that's just the environment you want to be in it's how you get better and uh so it's been it's been a lot of fun um you know my job's been easy everyone works so hard everyone stays out of trouble and does what they have to do that there hasn't been too much too much stress where it's just we can work on what we have to do and develop our freshmen in our our new team dynamic. So what kind of leader would you, I know this is a very philosophical kind of question, but are you more of a, a vocal leader? Or are you more of a lead by example kind of person? I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, I've seen, well, you know, I've learned from such great captains in the past from this program and beyond and uh, in other areas where I was in juniors and stuff, I've learned from bad captains. So I kind of, you know, see what works and what doesn't. Um, and I really it depends on like each guy, you know, like one of these young true freshmen, they might not respond well to being yelled at. And, uh, you know, that's the time where you got to pull them aside and maybe say, Hey, that's not how we do things here. This is how we do it. Or, you know, there's some older guys that I'd say I'm good friends with where I can get on them in front of the group and yell at them. And there's times that has to happen and there's times you got to do a different approach. So, it's real all situational and depends on each each case. So let's talk about the uh, the 2019-20 season. I mean, you have a, a bird's eye view of what we can expect, but you had, a, I believe you said, 10 new freshmen this year mm-hmm. to the roster, which is a big group. And, and you also have a lot of fantastic seniors and players that signed pro deals to replace. Yep. So, I mean, your early impression about the 2019-20 team, what have you seen so far from your group? I mean, I think this is a really good group. Our forward core is pretty much all back. Um, we lost Davo and Marty, but, you know, we had Goose Van Ness, we were matching earlier, to slot right in, and then we have some, some high-end forwards coming in. So we're going to be very deep up front. Um, you know, I think just like last year where we have four lines that are going to be able to come just constantly and definitely have probably – I think we're going to have more than two lines that can contribute a lot offensively, um, which is so important because – you know, the difference between the top teams and the lower teams in this league is, and, and I guess all around college hockey is depth. You know, if you can, a lot, every team has unbelievable studs on the first line, but it's that depth where, you know, you match up second, third line against the third, fourth line, and that's where you can take advantage. Um, as for our D, obviously we lost all those guys, you know, signing NHL deals, which is awesome for the program. That's what we want. 
Um, but, you know, we have, we have great returners coming in. I think there's some returners that have made big jumps in the offseason, and that's huge. That's what we want. And then a couple of freshmen here and there that are going to, you know, will have to develop but are definitely going to play a role, and I think they'll be able to do that. And then in net, we got Keith, you know, the big dog, who, uh, <laughs> like, I don't think people know this. Like, he's drafted the same number overall as Jordan Bennington, who obviously worked out there. Like, the potential is there with him, you know. And yeah. We, we, if we get if we get his full potential this year, and he, you know, he he kicks it out, then we're gonna be really dangerous again. And just like every year, our goal is to win every everything we can. You know, we want to win it all. And I certainly think we have the squad and you know the culture and the drive to do it and get it back to the tournament. Hopefully, the Frozen Four and the national championship. So, uh, as a Connecticut kid, this year is the the first year of the Connecticut Ice Tournament. So mm-hmm. it's. Quinnipiac, UConn, Yale, and Sacred Heart playing against each other in a kind of beanpot-style tournament. So, I mean, that's got to be a pretty exciting experience for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I wish it was I was able to go to this when I was a little kid growing up. You yeah. know, it's great for the game, great for, like, Connecticut. There's so much talent here, I think, that um, in Connecticut. So, I think it's very cool. I don't know if it's ever going to be as big as the bean pot like you right there's a lot but, to live up to yeah yeah but definitely it's something that we want to win you know we want to win everything um and who knows one day it could grow into something massive and it'd be very cool to win the inaugural one thanks so much to nick germain for joining us here on episode number 35 of the quinnipiac athletics podcast now if you want to watch that entire episode with myself and nick germain you can find it on IGTV. so we had a full 20 25 minute conversation with nick about the upcoming season and more about his career and how he ended up at quinnipiac so if you want to hear all of that make sure you go to IGTV so you can watch the whole thing the second interview on today's episode this is a full-length interview we talked with for almost 40 minutes Minutes with the associate head coach of this men's ice hockey program, Joe Dumay. And that we sat up above the ice in the U Club, as we'll talk about at the beginning of the episode. But Joe Dumay, what you see is what you get with him. He's an extremely nice guy, very personal, and man, oh man, does he love his job. Loves his job, loves the sport of hockey, and has had so many good stories for us, whether that was his time at Quinnipiac, his time at Union, uh, his time in the ECHL, which was uh, another... Eight games, but very yeah, action-packed. Yeah, yeah. Wild story. Yeah. So he was just so open with us, and it was such a great interview, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear it. Let's take a listen. So fourth year as... Uh, the associate head coach played four years here, and then it said it said now you went back to went back to school for a year to get your grad degree and also coached. Correct. Okay. At Ohio University. Right. Okay. Yeah. And What's then the mascot over yeah. at Ohio. You know what? It's the Bobcat. Okay. Really? That's okay. Ohio yeah. University Bobcats. Is it green and white? Yeah, it Are is green colors? and white. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah, it is a Bobcat. Um, and then um, one year with the one year in the ECHL, and then then made like the full commitment to coaching. So that was random. I was coaching at Ohio, and I was getting my master's. Then the following year, I went to Youngstown, okay. Ohio. Take I took a coaching job, and I don't know. It was probably February. Reed Cashman, who I played with here, I lived with here. He was playing in Columbia in the East Coast, and he called me, and he's like, we have a bunch of injuries. Do you want to come play with us? Wow. So I was like, sure. So I went and played, I think, eight games yeah. with uh, Cash yeah. in Columbia, That's South, South Carolina. <laughs> wow. I thought, and then, see, I thought So that it was, was just like, random. No, okay. it wasn't like I went to play or anything like oh, that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Was, I, saw I hadn't played line. for two years. Right. Did they pay you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, you know, it's minor. Minor hockey, yeah. the East Coast, so yeah, yeah. NHL, AHL, and then the East Coast. So it's basically a double-A ball. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense given the stat line because I saw like the two like the two points in eight games or something yeah. like that, and it looked like just kind of a, a shortened year, but that makes a little yeah, more I just, sense. I yeah. went down, played eight games, and that was it, and then I went right back to coaching. How was it? It was interesting. It was fun. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If, if you want to talk about stories, we can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can start right now. We're back in episode number 35, uh, joined by the fourth-year associate head coach of the uh, Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team, Joe Dumay. Joe, how are you? 
I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for thank you for joining us. So we're we're high above the ice now in the in the U Club. Uh, nice and warm now after a day of practice. So um, I asked you this before, so we can start with this before we get to the the ECHL stories. Uh, how how the uh, the first couple weeks of practice been with your group? It's been good. You know, we got a good group of guys. Um, it was nice to get our first test on Sunday. You know, there was a lot of positives. Obviously, some negatives in there, and just being a little bit rusty and not knowing our details and kind of what we do. But overall, there was a lot of positives it was good for you know the freshmen to get out there and just kind of experience what it is to play for Quinnipiac and you know play at the college level yeah. so overall it was a good experience and I feel like that's always a question that is asked to freshmen like when they walk into the media room it's like how have you been adjusting to the college game and I think after we saw they played Friday or was it Saturday? Sunday. Sunday, so yeah. Sunday, yeah. that the freshmen did kind of adapt to it. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And and I talked to Peter DeLibertor, who's a sophomore, and he said last year when we played the Canadian team, um, PEI, he said that was huge for his development because he was nervous. He told me he was nervous, and just it made him feel a lot better going into our opening weekend. So he said it was really good for him and his development, and hopefully it'll be the same transition for our current freshmen yeah. right now. Yeah. Who uh, now, when when you look at this this new freshman class and another large group of freshmen coming into the program this year, um, who have some of the who were some of the guys that kind of jumped out to you and the coaching staff on Sunday? Yeah, I think they, all the guys who played um, did pretty well. You know, Jaden Lee was on our power play, so he had a little bit more chance to get more minutes, and um, he he played really well on the power play. So he's one of the guys that. Um, we were impressed with, especially for a defenseman. And, you know, he's 18 years old. He's a true freshman, which doesn't happen as much in college hockey. Usually they're 19 and 20-year-old freshmen. You go to the G, you go juniors for like one or two years. Yeah, correct. You, yeah, okay. yeah, so a lot of, you know, a lot of our freshmen are 19 and 20. And we actually have three this year that are true freshmen that are 18 years old. And all three of those guys, P.J. Fletcher, Ethan Lay, and uh, Jaden Lee, all played very well in that game. And that's going to be big going into this weekend for those guys. What's the difference you, you see between an 18-year-old freshman and then either maybe like a 19, 20-year-old freshman? Is there is there a difference in play or a difference or maybe take a little bit longer time to get get acclimated? You know what? I think it varies with each kid. Yeah. Uh, Peter did it last year, Deliberatore. And he came in, and I mean, he, he was he was really good for us. Um, he adjusted real quick, and he's completely dedicated to being a, a great college player and a, and a professional player. So he had no issues with it. Yeah, there's little things here and there that pretty much every kid um, has to battle through, but I think it's all about the individual. You know, we get some 20-year-olds that come in as freshmen, and, and they struggle with things. They struggle with school or hockey, and then sometimes it happens with 18-year-olds. But it could be flipped, too. You do, know, you find, uh, do you find that the 18-year-olds are a little quieter in the locker room <laughs> and some of the 19- and 20-year-olds think they know what they're on? Uh, I think there's a couple of them on our team right now that are a little more quiet. Yeah. Um, I won't say names, but I, maybe, maybe there's <laughs> yeah. one that's a little more outgoing than the other two. Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we started off uh, talking about your your earlier days playing. So before we get to the the ECHL stories, because I'm sure in, in eight games worth there are plenty of stories <laughs> there. But uh, four years with this very same uh, this very same Quinnipiac team, uh, 42 points in 128 games uh, between 2002 and 2006, and then a captain senior year. So one of the things that I noticed about the team from those four years, uh, when doing a little bit of prep, is that. When you were when you were with the team, they spent a year in the MAC, two years in the AHA, and then your senior year in the ECAC. So, I mean, what's that transition process like for you as a player? You're going from one level to the next to the next through those four years. What was that like for you? Yeah, so I feel like when I was here, it was a huge transition period for the entire hockey program. So, obviously, we were going from different Division One leagues, but we're also fairly new into Division One hockey. Um, so we were a newer program, we were changing leagues, and then this was being built up here. So we were kind of part of that class. So I was the last class to not play here. Um, so the year after, so I graduated 06, so in 07 they opened up this building. So we were a part of that, I guess, class that, you know, was just kind of transition in the program. And we, we weren't bitter at all towards it. We actually felt a lot of pride in trying to, you know, get this program to where it is today and just being – 
you know, good kids, hard workers and all that stuff. So this could be built and, you know, this team could win a national championship someday. So um, my time here was amazing. And, and those transition periods were awesome. I mean, going from league to league, it was, you know, we made fun of it a little bit at <laughs> times, you know, but it, it was great. We, we took a lot of pride in it. And um, yeah, it, we're happy to be a part of where it's at today. Uh, Billy Mecca tells a great story in, in the interview. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, the interview I did with Billy for this podcast, he talks about have, having the ECAC visit and not having anything up on this hill, but they brought him up here. They brought the ECAC up here and had a broken bobcat, and they were like, we're ready to break ground right now and build this <laughs> arena if you pick us. Bobcat wasn't even working. It was a broken bobcat. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it was. It was a huge transition, and we were selling a lot of things, and people were selling us to the players, even when we were recruited here, about this new rink. And, you know, I think it took a little bit longer than everybody wanted or expected, but that's how things, you know, kind of work with a, a big project like this. Yeah. So we uh, we have Nick Germain joining you on, on this show today. It's two, uh, two interviews for kind of the, the men's hockey preview episode. So... Uh, he's wearing the C as well this year. So this is kind of a, a two-part question that I want to ask you. You know, what does it mean to wear the C in this program for Rampack Nold? Yeah, so f when I was here, um, you know, I was more of an alternate captain. Um, Ty Dinamo was actually the C. Oh, okay. And so just being a part of that leadership group, though, um, meant a lot. You know, we wanted to leave our class, the 2006 class, really wanted to leave a legacy and um, kind of stamp this program as a big time hockey program but more importantly um, with a lot of character and culture and I, I feel like we left a lot of things that it's funny that the guys still have do certain things today that you know we kind of started in you know 2004 2005 2006 which is pretty cool you know you feel a part of it sure um, so yeah I mean it's it, it's a lot of I guess um, pressure to make sure the team you know 28 guys are doing the right thing um, but, you know, we had a pretty special group that year, and it was fun being the first team in the, in the ECAC from Quinnipiac. And uh, what do you think makes Nick Germain a good, a good candidate to wear that C as well this year? Well, he's just a special kid. Um, he's an amazing person. He works extremely hard. Um, he's very humble, and he, he can lead a group. You know, he has the respect of guys, so when he talks, people listen. Um, and it's kind of the watch-me-follow-me type attitude that he has. You know, he's not always yelling and screaming at guys. It's more of he works and he works hard and guys follow him. Uh, so we're real excited about Nick Germain, and he's, he's going to do an amazing job for us this year. Yeah. And he somehow finds himself on the top ten all the time. I don't know, dude, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> it's crazy. He was huh? number six, I think, last week. I, and think, like, I think that's where it ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was number six. Yeah. He had that move against Brown my sophomore year that was all over the place. Yeah. It was on yeah. every Twitter, every hockey Twitter. And – um. Would you say that um, Chase Prisky was more of a vocal leader more than Nick, or are they similar in their captain style? Yeah, I wouldn't say Chase was any more. I, I think they're similar. Um, yeah. Chase became a little bit more vocal. He, he kind of adjusted, adapted to that role. And when he needed to say something, he would, and guys listened, um, just like Nick. So I think there's a lot of similarities, but they're both of them are not – yellers and screamers and rah-rah guys all the time they're very calculated and smart of when they need to talk up and when they need to say something i think there's a lot of similarities between both of them nice not a bad not a bad comparable between the two yeah, yeah. um so i so i do want to get into some of these stories so as we mentioned off the top um went to get your uh graduate degree at ohio university for a year um, and there were no real plans in place to continue uh, the hockey career, but uh, you ended up getting uh, getting the invite from Reed Cashman to play to play a few games in the ECHL. So, I mean, just as a as a fan of the game and and, and as somebody who's interested in kind of the, the the process of getting up up to the NHL, you know, what what were some of your memories, some of your stories from that time in the ECHL? Yeah, it was crazy. So I had no business playing the East Coast Hockey League. It was just, <laughs> it was kind of random. I was coaching in Youngstown, and, and Cash called me. Reed yeah. Cashman called me. Youngstown Phantoms. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was one of the junior coaches. Um, so he calls me. He's like, Hey, Joe, we got a ton of injuries. Um, I talked to my coach. Like, do you want to come down and play a couple games for us? And I was just like, Reed, I have I haven't put gear on and. 
almost two years. <laughs> was like, did that call and start with like a hear me out? Like, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of laughing. Yeah, and he's going to sound nuts. But. So I, I kind of thought he was kidding. And then so we started, we kept talking. He's like, oh, I'm, it's in South Carolina. It was in Columbia, South Carolina. He's like, it's amazing here. The weather's awesome. We have a re- they actually had a really good team too that year. He's like, come down for a weekend and play a couple games and, and head back. So, you know, I had a current job. I was employed, and so I talked to my, my boss there, and he's like, go do it. Like, that'd be awesome. So I go down to Columbia. I couldn't even tell you who we played that night. There was one game, and then the next night, there was a game in Biloxi, Mississippi, which I'm not good with geography, but it's a ways away. So... <laughs> We, pl- we play the game at home in Columbia. It was a blast. I had so much fun. It yeah. was awesome just to be back on you the ice. Breath, or? What's that? We out of breath, or? No, I, I don't think the coach played me too much. <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, getting, I was taking short shifts, and I wasn't playing a lot, but it was fun. So we ended up losing, but I was just happy I survived. So we come in the locker room. Okay, you know, we'll head to Biloxi, Mississippi. I'll play my second program. This is great. <laughs> coach comes in. He's like, screaming at us get back on the ice i was like you got to be kidding me so the whole team gets back on the ice and we start skating back and forth for almost an hour right so mind you something I had, straight I, out of miracle it, it was just it was just like miracle yeah mind you i haven't i haven't put gear on in two years i was in no shape to be playing a game let alone skating like that but it, it, from what it sounds <laughs> like you guys didn't lose bad like i, I think we lost five two i, I I couldn't even tell you. It might have been five one. <laughs> so we're skating, and I'm just this is this has got to be a joke. Are you kidding me right now? I'm exhausted. I'm dying. So I survived it. We get we get uh, off the ice. We get on a bus. Again, I don't know my geography, but say we had a ten hour ride. It was a long ride. So we get right on a bus. Ten hour trip. Can't feel my legs. My legs are seizing up. And we get probably halfway to to Biloxi and the bus breaks down again this is all it, stuff you, of course it does all stuff you hear about yeah. with you know junior hockey or yep. minor league baseball yeah. and things like that well it's it's all happening right now I'm me. picturing slap shot right now correct same, yeah. same thing <laughs> so now we're on the side of a road I don't know what time it was and we waited it could have been three four five hours for another bus so finally another bus comes we transfer buses you know, that was, let's say it's four hours, and then we got another six hours to drive. Um, so we, we get into Mississippi, and um, le- my legs were just shot. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing with my life? This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, so long story short, ended up playing uh, eight games. So it was two more weekends, I went, or three more weekends maybe. And then I went back to coaching, thankfully. And uh, that was uh, that was kind of my minor league Pro career, <laughs> wow, yeah. So that is that's yeah. something out of a film. That's legitimately I could I could yeah. picture it and cut and the scene is done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's 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 more to it, but uh, I'll leave yeah. all that other stuff out. So. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. What, like what? Like, what was that contract like? Did you sign an eight day contract? Uh, like? I think it was a week to week contract. Yeah, and it was probably paid me ten dollars a week or something. <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. That's a great question. I'd love ne- to know. Needless yeah, to say, great. you did it for the for the love of playing the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Out with cash for a little bit. There so we, you go, yeah. So Reed and I had a good time and met some good people that I actually still stay in touch with today. So really? it was fun. Yeah. Cool. Man, so uh so I kinda want to backtrack a little bit after your after your uh college career. What was the motivation to get into coaching at the beginning? So I knew I wanted to coach when I was I would say at least middle school. Um you know when I was in high school and we had like the captain's practices. I always remember drawing up practices and I loved it. I loved coaching in the summer times when I was in high school, I was always doing youth camps and stuff like that. And so when I got to Quinnipiac, it was, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a coach. And luckily Ben Sire, he was the assistant here. Who's now at Cornell. He was my assistant coach for four years. He had gone to Ohio university, got his master's, and was the assistant coach there. That's how he got his coaching career started. So he's like, hey, Joe, like this is what you should do. Right after Quinnipiac, you should go there, get your master's and whatnot. And he put me in touch with people there, and 
that's kind of how it worked out. So I'm pretty thankful for this staff. I see Rand was big in that, and Ben and Scott Robson were the other assistant there. So that's how it all started. So I, I kind of want to talk to you about, because, yes, there's coaching. You have the on-ice factor and during the practices and stuff, but there is also a recruiting factor to coaching as well. And um, from what I heard, I heard two things from Alex Whalen and Carlos Chuksta about you, that you're a rank rat, you love to be in the rank, and that you have a style and a good style of recruiting. So I kind of want to hear about your style when you when you meet recruits and, and what that step's like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just you, you got to figure out what type of kid you're dealing with. Um, you know, all kids are different. And but at the end of the day, you got to develop relationships with these kids and you got to let them know that um, you care about them. Uh, you want to help develop them. And it's not just about them helping you or you helping them. It's about a two way street. And that's something you got to get across is that, hey, if you come to Quinnipiac, you know, not just me, but we're going to help develop you. We're going to give a lot to you through Coach B, who's an amazing strength coach, probably the best in the country, Yeah. through just getting on the ice early, doing skill stuff. Um, and then you're going to give a lot back, too, by your character, your work ethic, and your play. And it's just, I think the biggest thing with most things in life, it's about developing relationships. And you just got to be, you know, honest and upfront and be yourself. Like, everybody's a little bit different. You know, like, we're all very different in how we recruit. And you can't try to be, like I always say, you can't try to be Bill Belichick or try to be Pat Riley or something like that. Just be yourself. Yeah. And that's what I try to do and just develop relationships with kids and and try to help them succeed on and off the ice as much as I can. So what Alex and Carlos was also bringing up, because I, I was talking to them before this interview to try and uh, prep a little bit, and they also said that you like to get involved in the drills too during practice. I mean, yeah, I get a lot of energy, I'll say. <laughs> and... Uh, anytime I can do anything with the guys is, is a bonus. And, um, I just enjoy being out there. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely like a little kid when I'm on the ice. I feel like, um, you know, 12 years old out there and I try to stay young and these guys keep me young. Yeah. They it, really do. It's uh, your job. Like that, that's your job to go out on the ice every day. And absolutely. So I, I think part of it is you got to be thankful that you get to go out on the ice and actually coach hockey for a living. Uh, so you got to enjoy it. And part of enjoying it is is getting out there and interacting with these kids and being a part of things and just trying to help in any way you can. And if if a coach is quiet and, you know, mopey and stuff like that, well, the players are probably going to take after him. If a coach is energetic and happy to be out there, well, hopefully, you know, the guys feed off of him and kind of have that same energy. And it's the same as your captain. You know, if your captain is not a good person, well, the team's going to kind of follow that whoever your captain is. So I think it's the same with coaches. Yeah. Uh, so two stops at the Division One level as an assistant coach and associate coach, uh, UConn and Union before this. So, um, of course, you know, you, the, the, goal is, the goal is always to get back to the alma mater. But, you know, what were some of the lessons that you were able to learn with those two stops before getting here? Well, I think I started at UConn, and I really learned how difficult it was to be a college hockey coach, not just college hockey, but any college sports, in the sense that at the time at UConn, we, we weren't in hockey East like they are now. They have 18 scholarships now. They didn't have any when I was there. Um, they didn't play in the Excel Center. So there was just a lot of um, just really difficult recruiting tools there that you just didn't have. And so I learned how hard it was. I would go watch games, and you want this kid and you want that kid, but you're not getting them. And so you really got to find a way to get good players, but, you know, they're not going to be the guys that stand out. You know, they're kind of – I don't want to say diamonds in the roughs, but they're that second, third tier of guys that you have to find that can play at that level because the first tier guys, you're not getting you know, they're going to other schools. They're going to better schools. And then you had to find ways, all right, I can't give a kid a full scholarship. So how do I find ways to get kids? I got to find kids with really good grades or find kids with a lot of, their families have a lot of money or resources and things like that. So I just learned how difficult it was to build a college hockey team and to recruit and to get a player and land a player. And it just, it helps you going through. Um, where if you start at, you know, I don't want to say school, but if you start at a school that's well-known, that can get an elite player, then you're offering them a full scholarship and 
kids want to go to that school. Um, where at UConn, it was, you know, not a ton of kids wanted to go there at the time. Right. Man, it's 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 impressive, and it kind of gives you probably it must give you a little bit of an appreciation for being in a school like this. That hey, I can we have this great facility, we have all these great faculty members. So I kind of want to want to get to the the point where you're able to come back here. So what was that process like uh, returning to Quinnipiac and, and getting a chance to coach here? So I always wanted to come back here. Right. So that just, was my question. Yeah, I always want to. So I always wanted to. Um, I definitely I played for Rand for four years. So it was nice to do other things and learn from other people. And, you know, I had an amazing experience at UConn. And then I went to Union, and I honestly could have stayed at Union forever. Um, you know, Rick Bennett was amazing. Jason Tapp were amazing. Him and I worked really well together. I had a great time there. I loved it. My family, everything was great. But I had the chance to come back here, and, and it was, it's, it's hard not to come back to your alma mater. So, I'm, again, I'm extremely happy to be here now, and I feel like, same thing. I feel like I could be here forever. Right. Ever. And it's just great selling this school because I have so much pride in it. It's, it's really quite easy um, in the sense that you don't have to fake anything. You don't have to fake how much you love a school or love the, this or love that. You just you naturally feel it. So I think recruits and families, they can read off of you and, and they know how passionate and how much you love a program and love the school. Um, so it's great to be back here. Um, you know, obviously working for slash with Rand is, is different than playing for him. And the program's evolved so much in the last 26 years that he's been here. And it's fun to just, you know, we're obviously shooting for that national championship. It's, it's hard to get. Um, we've been close in the past. We thought, we really thought we had a team to win a national championship last year. And unfortunately, we were a game away from the Frozen Four. And we didn't get there. But we, f we felt we were like we were really close. And that's what we're pushing for every year. Uh, t tell me a little bit about that evolution that you've seen, because it's, it's got to be a pretty unique perspective to come play here 10, 15 years ago and then come back and coach. So what's some of the evolution that you've seen in the program from playing and now coaching? Well, I think the biggest thing is the expectation. So when I played here, we were always good, but not good on the national stage, like top 20. We were good in our league. Um, you know, we were a middle of the pack team as far as in, in the country goes. But if we went and played BU or BC or Wisconsin or teams like that, I think it, we were expected to lose. And if we won, okay, it's great. Um, we played Maine a lot in my time. And it's the same thing. You go up to Maine, and they were a powerhouse at the time. And just have a good game, a close game. And that's kind of what everybody expects. Now, everybody expects you to win every year. And, you know, two years ago, we had a down year. And, you know, what's going on? What happened? And, and But that's a good thing. You know, I think the biggest thing is the expectation is people expect you to go to B.C. and beat them. Or if B.C. and B.U. come here, everybody expects us to win those games. And we do, too. And that's, that's a great thing. So I think that's the evolution. It's just the expectations are so high. And I remember when I was at Union, but Quinnipiac had, in 2016, had an amazing season. I think in, in January or February, they only lost one game. And one game. It was one game. And so I don't think they lost a home game. I don't know. It's yeah. some crazy stat where that year, twenty sixteen, between the men and women, there were only like two or three home games lost. That's right. Total. So that year, I forget when they lost their second game, people were saying to me, and again, I was at Union, so I wasn't a part of it. Is they're like, What's going on? What happened to Quinnipiac? Yeah. They lost to so and so and I'm just like <laughs> They lost their second game and were in February. Are you <laughs> yeah, guys they're, kidding? they're 24 and two or something. And like that. I, yeah, that but that's the expectation is just yeah. if you lose any game, and I'm sure people were saying it when we tied on Sundays, they're just surprised and like, what, what's going on there? Um, but that's a good thing. That's what we want. You want people to expect you to win all the time, and we expect it as coaches, and our players expect it too. So. I would say that's the biggest exp uh, evolution is the expectations. I would also say one of the evolutions, too, could be now the amount of Quinnipiac names in professional hockey. You have Connor Clifton. You have Devontae's. You have Chase. Yep. Um, you have Brandon Fortunato now. He's going to be on the scene. Uh, I think that's a part of the evolution. So how proud does that make you to see that as coaching these guys? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, obviously the goal is to get these guys to the NHL. That's their dream. Um 
you know, with it's so hard to make it and it just doesn't happen with many kids. And I think what you're seeing now is, you know, those the 2013 to 2016 years were really good here. And a lot of those kids now are slowly starting to make it. And it takes time. You know, Rand's been here 26 years and it takes time to go from Division three to Division one to a powerhouse and then in turn get all these kids to the NHL. Um, so we're starting to see that now. And unfortunately for us, if you look at some of our top players that have gone here, you know, Travis St. Dennis, who's, who's Sam an amazing, yeah. Sam Manis, those are amazing players that, you know, they're, they're smaller guys. Um, and unfortunately they're not in the NHL and, and a lot of it just has to do with that. And you even look at Connor and Kellen Jones, who are an you know two of the best players ever here yeah you know they're they've had great careers in the ahl and now you know the joneses are overseas um so we have a lot of guys we're really proud of that changed this program that aren't necessarily in the nhl but were unbelievable players that are in the ahl now or overseas so there's a lot of those guys too which is which is a lot of fun and everybody looks at devon taves and connor clifton who I mean, obviously, it's easy to fall in love with those guys and watch them all the time and whatnot. Um, but there's so many more. Michael Gartag, who won so many games yep, here, yep, yep. won a championship in the East Coast last year. There's so many guys like that. Matt Pekka um, that did so much for the Pekka, school yep. that aren't necessarily in the NHL right now um, that are just as fun for us to follow and track as those other guys. Because a lot of that sometimes has to do with timing and where the organizations are at that time when they get drafted or recruited to yeah. that certain program. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to make it. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is really hard yeah. to make it because, you know, college hockey is small. And then once you get to the NHL, you're getting the entire Canadian junior hockey system that's coming in, all of Europe that's coming in. You know, you're having all these leagues and all these countries coming to one now. And you don't realize, wow, I didn't even know these guys existed. You know, you just see the small bubble of Division One college hockey. And, you know, when you look at the NHL, it's, you know, guys coming from everywhere. So it's, it's tough to make it. <laughs> yeah. So talking expectations before we wrap things up. Uh, of course, you guys always want to win. That's the number one thing. But what are some of the, the specific expectations and goals for this year's group? Yeah, I mean, I think we have the same goal. Uh, I don't think. I know we have the same goal every year. <laughs> right. Is, is going into the year, we're looking to win a national championship. You know, and then on down, we're looking to win the White Lock Cup, the Cleary Cup. Those are huge. We're looking to make the NCAA tournament. Those are our four really big goals that we want to accomplish. I would say the fifth one would be our home winning record. We want to be good at home, and that's kind of been up and down in the past, unfortunately. Um, so those are five things we always focus on. Those are obviously long-term goals. And then short-term, you know, we're very good at trying to be detailed and, and get better every day. You know, you go in our locker room, on the door, in our stalls, everywhere it says attack the day. And that's what we try to do. We try to attack every day. And we, we usually say, hey, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You know, that's why we want to attack the day. We want to get better today. And so our goals are very – we have our long-term goals. We have our short-term goals. And right now we're – you know, we have a huge test on Friday night, AIC – um, what a job that they've done. Um, you know, they had a great season. They're the only team to win the conference regular season, the conference championship, and make it to the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, so wow. no, nobody else did that. And they obviously beat the best team in the country last year in St. Cloud, and they were they played great against Denver. So we And they have a whole team coming back. So we know we have our hands full on Friday, and we're excited for it, and we'll just – Attack the day, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and it, and it's a great addition too. We were we were downstairs for a little bit, and, and attack the day is painted right in right in front of the locker room door. Yeah. So I mean, no better way to start the day than reminding your guys to attack it. I think I'll put it on my door too. <laughs> I think, I I think you should. Yeah, that's not bad. You've been a big win the day guy I say this year. Win the day. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, very no. similar. Win day, the day, yeah, attack the day. They're not in the mood for it, but I'll walk out the door every day and tell them to win it. It, like cha it. it changes my mood from from time to time. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. Uh, last question. Last question from me. Uh, so. I mean, you've seen uh, Reed Cashman, what he's been able to do from this program now uh, to the National Hockey League. Is there a next step for you? Are you looking forward or are you just more focused on what's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. I don't have pro aspirations. I like Reed, you know, he loved college hockey, um, but he obviously had pro aspirations, too. And he's obviously done a phenomenal job at both levels. I love college. 
I like coaching. I like recruiting. I like being a part of a campus. You know, once you get to pro hockey, it's strictly one thing. You're coaching. Um, and that's great. But for me, you know, in September, Bill Regan and I, we were on the road probably 20 days um, or 20 nights, I should say, recruiting. And I love that. I love trying to find, you know, the next, you know, best player we can find. And um, so I have no pro aspirations. Uh, I, I'm in a spot where I want to be. So my next steps are really about Quinnipiac. I'd love to win a, be a part of a national championship here. It would be amazing uh, to get the first national championship uh, in Quinnipiac hockey. History would be cool. So that's my focus right now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Coach B, yeah, similar. I mean, I asked him that. I asked Coach B the same thing because he has. He's had pro offers to yeah. go be an athletic trainer in professional yeah. sports. And it's good to see Quinnipiac is a place where people can feel at home and not feel like they, there's a next step or isolated at all. So that's great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's one of the best places in, in the country and um, fortunate and happy to be here. Do you have a, uh, a favorite spot that you've been on the recruiting trail? Oh, Kelowna, British Columbia. <laughs> really yeah. that was a fast answer that, yeah i was just there so yeah oh there you go <laughs> yeah it was good um it's great there mountains lakes you know it's it's beautiful the drive from vancouver to Kelowna is is, is great and the rinks out there and penticton and whatnot vernon yeah i just i enjoy british columbia a lot um whether it's Kelowna or you know victoria the vancouver yeah. Islands. we know tra like trail that. was big on the team a couple trails years back. big you know uh <laughs> i don't know if any of the trail guys are listening i try not to go to trail as much um it's far away if you look on a map it's far away it's a long drive and uh yeah i try i try to go to Kelowna as much as possible <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, I think we're going to – so we have three questions that we always ask every single guest because we know you can talk hockey all day. But uh, the first one, if you could live anywhere that is not Hamden, Connecticut, where would it be and why? Probably Chicago, Illinois. Really? Chicago, yeah, so my Illinois. wife's from Chicago. Um, if we ever moved, that would be a great place for us to live. Um, her family's all there, and they're close to Lake Michigan. It's beautiful. We spend some time in the summer there, so I love Chicago. And I – and so down for deep dish pizza, it's not even funny. That that's a bonus too. Yeah. Like now, I are they it. from right in Chicago, Chicago, or is it a? a it's just north of the city. Just north. Okay. Yeah, just north of the city. Okay. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get like authentic though. Yeah. Because I gotta get a real one. Have you had it? No, I oh, need a geez. real one. Have you been to Chicago? No. Wow. Need yeah. to get out. I, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then I got I need a dog, and I need the deep dish. A dog. Yeah. Okay. The hot dog with the pickle spear. I need it. I haven't had that. I will say. Oh, I think I um, uh, Portillo's is the name of a place they Portillo's have. They have like those big time. Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, you, I've been there. Yeah, I, that's that's always the place that I see that yeah, you got to go to crazy. There's so much to do. You go to yeah. Wrigley Field. Oh, okay. you, there's so much to do there. Yeah. All right. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping to make the make the trip at some point soon. All right. Next one. Um, if you could have dinner with someone, either alive or deceased, can be anybody. Who would it be? And wow. No. If I could have dinner with anybody, um, that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. We've had Mine's answers that. all over the map. Some people are big big history buffs. So we've had yeah. Abraham Lincoln. We have family members. We've you know. had Walt Disney. Yep. I choose Justin Timberlake. <laughs> uh, I think that guy is the coolest dude on earth. That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, this is boring for me to say, like, boring coach, but I would love to sit down with Bill Belichick. I yeah, mean, I'm a, a Patriots great, fan. A great answer. Um, I mean, what he's done there is just – is crazy it's incredible obviously he has tom brady but the schemes and all that stuff and how they win every year was salary cap and wow i i would really enjoy sitting down with bill belichick yeah. for a dinner and just i don't know if he'd say much <laughs> yeah. but uh but i mean because that's like uh, that's like the peak of the profession right there yeah absolutely yeah um, i bet if you told him there were no mics uh, hopefully he would open up yeah maybe he would I but hope. look listen to his press conferences yeah <laughs> There's not much yeah. coming from him. But, yeah, no, he, he would be, for me right now, definitely. That, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I was wondering if there's going to be a, a hockey coach in there. like. A, I th uh, yeah, know. I mean, there's obviously some Scotty Bowman coaches. or, you know, something. Yeah. S Scotty Bowman would be great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. i got to go Bill Belichick right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Can't blame you. Yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, you are on death row. What is your final meal? Dinner, drink, and dessert. Dinner, drink, and dessert. Yeah. Okay. Definitely having... 
breakfast for dinner. I'm having eggs. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Could not agree uh, with you more. All day long. Yeah. I mean, if I can get a full meal, I'm getting eggs with home fries and, and bacon and toast and the, the whole nine. Nice coffee. Yeah, do you have, do you have a spot in Hampton? We've been going to Brownstone recently. Brownstone I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can promote Brownstone that, but is incredible. So uh, so Reed and I we mm-hmm. lived close to Brownstone. Yep. So back in '05, Reed and I went there all the time. Oh. I love Brownstone. I still go there. The Big pancakes, fan. man. Big fan, and they're quick. Yeah. It's yeah. fairly cheap. You're in, you're out, and you get in, and your food's in front of you in two seconds. <laughs> um, I would 100% get that. I, yeah, I don't know what they do with their pancakes. There's like some vanilla extract or something in there that makes it extra good. Yeah. And then I always get the corned beef hash there too. Ooh, I've never had that. I'll have to try that out. The corned yeah. beef hash, well done. Is what <laughs> I use. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess so. I guess the the drink there would be the coffee. Do you have a? Uh, <laughs> I'm a simple guy. There you go. Black coffee. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I put milk in it, but I I drink a lot of coffee. I love coffee, so I'd go coffee. I know All that's. Right. And probably other people would choose something significantly different. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a, a dessert of choice if you're feeling feeling dangerous? I'm not a big dessert guy. Um, my wife makes these banana chocolate chip muffins oh. that I really like, and I could eat them all in one sitting. So <laughs> if, if I had to choose, yeah, I'd go with banana chocolate chip. And see, that's a good muffin. duo because you could do a you could do a cup of coffee with that. Yeah, you could. You could swing Absolutely. that into your. Yeah, yeah, you could swing that into the theme of breakfast yeah. for uh, for dinner. Yeah, man, yeah. there you go. Yeah, now yeah. I'm hungry, so uh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I could go for some breakfast. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so Why much we for do this at Brown. What? <laughs> that was stupid of us. That was, that's a, little, a great idea. We little comedians in cars or bobcats at Brownstone yeah. getting breakfast <laughs> or something like done that. This at Brownstone. I'm in. We'll work. <laughs> Let on me our, know next time. We'll work on our triple B for next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and, and best of luck heading into AIC. Good luck, coach. Right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much to Joe Dumay for joining us here on episode number 35 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And before we go, Matt, we have some announcements about tickets that you can buy for an upcoming event here at Quinnipiac. We do. This is a special event at Quinnipiac. Tickets are on sale now for the 2019 Big East Field Hockey Championship presented by Jeep and hosted by Quinnipiac University. It was as announced by the Big East and Quinnipiac Athletics. The championship weekend is set for November 8th and 10th at the Quinnipiac Field Hockey Stadium. Friday will feature semifinal games at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., followed by the Big East Championship game on Sunday at 1 p.m. And Matt, you've spent some time around this field hockey team, this field hockey program. It's still incredible. It's fantastic for the program that they play in the Big East every season. And the biggest tournament of the season in the Big East is coming to Hamden. And you have to grind for these wins in this conference. And if Quinnipiac is able to sneak its way into the playoffs, that would be a huge advantage to be at home for the semifinal and final games. So I definitely want to go. I hope to see some of the listeners there as well. That's right, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go online to GoBobcats.com. You can get all your stats, scores, rosters, updates, merch, tickets, anything you may need. Go to GoBobcats.com for that. You can follow all of the social media accounts. It is at QUAthletics on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow the men's account, it is at QU underscore M-I-H if you want to follow men's hockey. Make sure you do a big weekend series coming up with AIC. So you're going to want to get all of the updates first. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us so you can get our episodes first. Matt, we want to follow you. How can we, man? At Emma Call of 7. You know the drill. And I'm at Dan Ball, B-A-H-L. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click.